1: podcasts.
0: podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo.
2: All right, let's welcome into It's Always Game Day in Buffalo from our Odyssey Sister Station, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, and of course, the First in Pod podcast with Danny Parkins, where they talk all about gambling and Gives you a lot of picks every week, um, Andrew Filippone. How are you doing on those picks this year, Andrew? I know you you talk a lot every week about you know where people should place their money, how did it turn out for you this year?
1: Well, I had the Steelers to make the playoffs, you and did. that bet looked terrible around uh, Christmas time. And then thanks to Mason Rudolph and him flying in to rescue the Steelers season, that saved my ass. That was my biggest bet before the season started was them to get in. Uh, I had multiple options on FanDuel to cash the bet out for little to no money. And I uh, didn't cut my losses, thankfully. And so, yeah, that was my big one sale. Uh, <laughs> I have a Buffalo bet to win the Super Bowl that I got when they were six and six.
0: 35 so, to one? 35, 35 to one. Is ones. that when you
1: got it? Yep. I have 35 yep. to one. Uh, so, a little conflict of interest here with this game on Sunday because I've already won my Steelers bet. And now part of me wants to root for Buffalo to come in. But if it happens, it's at the expense of the Steelers. So
2: it, it's kind a, of a it, devil it's, on it's, a, one shoulder and an angel on another for this game. Sale. I got you. I got you. Now I do know before the season, you took a little grief from bills fans. You did not predict the bills to make the playoffs. You did pick the Steelers. You predicted the bills to miss the playoffs. You, I mean, yes. a lot of people thought they would take a step back here. They are maybe playing their best football of the year. Or at least, you know, winning, at least the last you know, five weeks or so. What do you make of the Bills from the outside from watching this team from afar?
1: Well, I got tricked by the preseason and I fully admit that the preseason screwed me and I watched the Steelers dominate that game against the Bills. I ended up basing a lot of my Steelers predictions on silly stuff that happened in August and I'll never make that mistake again. I don't give a damn anymore about what happens in preseason or training camp. I'm not going to get hoodwinked or bamboozled by any of that garbage anymore. I probably won't watch the games anymore. Uh, So that was a big mistake by me, a blunder that made me downgrade Buffalo before the season started and upgrade the Steelers to the point where I thought they could actually compete for a Super Bowl and be one of the best teams in the NFL. So that's on me. I don't think I was totally wrong about Buffalo. I mean, they needed to to fire – Uh, Ken Dorsey and I was never a Dorsey guy. I said it before the season. I was very cynical of that uh, of his. I thought with Dable gone last year, I thought their offensive play calling in certain moments and situations left a lot to be desired. And I think it's been considerably better with Brady. So, yeah, I give the bills uh, just like the Steelers did. Both teams had the courage to fire their offensive play callers in the middle of the season. And I think both teams benefited from that decision.
0: You, you just said you got bamboozled into thinking the Steelers could be a Super Bowl team. And here we are and they're in the playoffs. Is there no expectation whatsoever that they could go on not, any sort of run? Literally not at not. all.
1: No, there's not. I mean, there's a little bit of, well, you got to realize, first of all, Matt, let me just say this, you know, the Steelers, anytime they make the playoffs and they get in as one of the last seeds and they have a winning streak to close the season, inevitably we get, uh, a deluge of Steelers fans who start to bring up 2005 when they won four regular season games at the end of the year and then went on to win the Super Bowl. So that always happens. We get hit over the head with that whenever there's some kind of magical run to, this, to the playoffs for the Steelers. Fans like to hearken back because they have fond memories of when they won that Super Bowl with Cowher and Jerome Bettis and everybody else in Ben's second year. So I, not a ton of that has happened this year, but what has stunned me and shocked me is that from where fans were a month ago, hating this team, wanting the coach fired, thinking that Kenny Pickett was a horrible draft pick, wanting to blow the whole thing up. Many of them have now convinced themselves, and I have data to back this up, a a Twitter poll of our listeners, more than 50% have predicted the Steelers to beat the Bills. They've now convinced themselves that this massive upset is going to happen on Sunday. And that the biggest reason why it's going to happen is because Josh Allen is going to shoot himself in the foot so many times that the Steelers are going to capitalize on that. It is shocking to me. This is a guy that many Steelers fans, including myself, have seen a lot of Big Ben in, a lot of Mm -hmm. early years, uh, prime Big Ben. And now fans are like, he's going to turn the ball over so many times, and that's how the Steelers are going to win. It's wild. I don't agree with it. It's been fun to watch the interaction and see people talk themselves into it after where they were a month ago. But, yeah, uh, I, have, I give them zero chance. I give them next to no chance to win the game on Sunday. But Steelers fans, after thinking this team was going to lose out and finish 7-10, and 10, uh, now think that they are going to beat Buffalo and pull off one of the more stunning upsets we've seen
2: in the playoffs in the last few years. Andrew Filippone here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. I said to Matt earlier, even if the four guys, let's say, who are, you know, right now dealing with injuries for the Bills, very good players, starters. If they were all out, collectively, it would not be as significant as T.J. Watt being out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Name those four guys for me again, Stale. Dave Uh, Dave Davis, Davis, Rasul Douglas, Taylor Rapp, and Ty Johnson or Tyrell Dodson. Sorry. I mean
1: starting quarter like y- starting I like Douglas a line. lot. I mean Douglas yeah. has four interceptions in eight games. He's been a big difference maker for you guys. So that's an interesting one. Now the whole wind thing is a whole other conversation about how that's going to affect the game. There's obviously been a lot said and written about that in the last few hours. Uh yeah, that's the other thing Steelers fans have somehow uh erased from their memories is what like the men in black pen. What happened in the in the in the 2022 season? When Watt was out, they went one in six. They only won one game. And that was when Tom Brady decided to go to Robert Kraft's wedding two days before they played the Steelers. And he came in here and played like complete garbage. And they (laughs) won that game without him. then Chase Claypool played well, which goes to show you what a miracle (laughs) win that was for them. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Watt is... What's the best, for my money, the best defensive player in the NFL? You can give me pro football focus grades all you want. Uh, He led the league in sacks, quarterback hits, and he had an interception on Matthew Stafford in a game around the midpoint of the season where if he doesn't drop back into coverage and make that play, they lose the game and they're not in the playoffs. He can beat you any number of different ways, stop the run, bat down passes at the line of scrimmage, force fumbles, pick the ball off if he needs to. They don't beat the Bills in week one two years ago in Ben's last season if Watt doesn't come off the couch after missing all a training camp in the preseason and play like an absolute menace. So I don't get where Steelers fans are coming from with this. Uh, They've given up in their last three playoff games 45, 48, and 42 points, and now Steelers fans seem to think that defensively they're going to be better off without their best defensive player. The backups are better, Golden and Herbig, than they've been in years, but there's no replacing TJ Watt and I think the Bills, as long as the weather is not insane on Sunday, will score a lot of points on the Steelers' defense.
0: Where is the weakness? Obviously, T.J. Watt is him, and you know everybody knows about Highsmith, and they know about Hayward, and I don't know Minka Fitzpatrick looks like he might be coming back. Where is the weakness? Where are the Bills able to attack them if the weather is not 50, 60-mile-an-hour gusts like we saw in that Patriots game a couple years ago?
1: A lot of different places. Their inside linebackers stink, and that's not the Steelers' fault. They all got hurt. So you guys have obviously had the Milano injury. This team had the guys they picked up in the offseason. All three guys have gotten injured. Cole Holcomb lost for the year. Uh, Quan Alexander done for the season. Alandon Roberts is going to play, but he has a bad pec injury. And he's a guy that they really just signed to be a run stopper, and now they've been forced to use him as a three-down guy. You remember him from Miami and New England, so the Bills are no stranger to him. Uh, And now they're playing guys like Miles Jack, who had – purchased a minor league hockey team and started the transition to become a plumber in life. He actually wow. uh, applied, yes. I give him credit in a way that he makes millions of dollars and wants to like ply That's his cool. trade doing yeah. that kind of blue collar work. But that is true. He wears number 16 and he's give, and he played off the practice squad something like 70% of the snaps in the game against Baltimore. Your tight end should kill them. Uh, Kincaid and Knox should have field days against the Steelers. their second corner and third corner are major weaknesses. uh Guys Levi Wallace has been terrible this year and I and I was and I had been a big Levi Wallace fan. I thought he got by some Bills fans probably not you boys, but got murdered for what happened by some in that last 13 seconds for the job he did. I don't think any of that was really his fault um, but he was a steady player last year. He has taken a major step back this season. Um, And what they're going to probably do is move Patrick Peterson back from safety to corner in this game. He's been hit or miss up and down this year. Their slot corner has just been uh, uh, horrendous. So those are the places. And honestly, their defensive line too, I would say. Hayward, great name, all-time great stealer, but has been injured for most of the season and has been playing through it and He's not the player that he was even when they played the Bills last year in this game when they lost 38 to three. So a lot of different places to beat them. Their defenses lived off of those edge rushers this year. When Highsmith and Watt play well, they typically have good defensive games.
2: That uh, Miles Jack story reminds me of You know, the group boys to men, the tall guy with the deep voice. Michael McCary is his name. And he, like, left the group to become an accountant because he really wanted to become an accountant someday. And he was in voice. My is an accountant in Buffalo.
1: He's very (laughs) worried about this game. I don't know why. I've tried to convince him. Maybe he'll (laughs) watch this podcast now or listen to it and he'll uh, be persuaded (laughs) by your rhetoric. Yeah.
2: Let me uh, me ask you about the offensive side. Uh, The change to Mason Rudolph. Tell me what's basically truth and what's fiction about Mason Rudolph. Like, what is, hey, that this guy has this? And what is, you know what, you know, there's some things there that you, you just can't really read a lot into that are going right.
1: Definitely is processing things a lot better than he was when he started his last game a couple years ago. Uh, I've been stunned by how much more uh, comfortable and calm he looks playing the position. I thought that was one of his worst attributes and traits as a player. I thought he panicked way too often, especially in the red area when they'd have drives and then they would stall out because they'd ask him to throw a pass and the, you know, the, the, the part of the field where everything's congested and clogged up. And I thought he would really kind of just completely freak out. Uh, he's done so much better at that. He's gone through his read so fast, you know, if first read isn't open. He's off to the second and third read, and It's not just, okay, first guy's not open. I'm just going to dump it off to a running back or something. He'll go to the second or third receiver, even the tight end. Like I just don't remember him. Really, since he played at Oklahoma State as being a guy that could do that, and things obviously were so much easier there because people were open all the time. Right. Um, he's always been a beautiful deep ball thrower. It's not a huge arm like Allen's. It's not even as good a good of an arm as Trubisky, uh, but it's an accurate deep ball downfield. And I think that's what happened against Cincinnati. The Bengals were so scared to death that Friermuth was going to have another big game because he killed him in the first matchup. They played the middle of the field, and then Pickens went off. And then I think Seattle started to make an adjustment, and you know Rudolph was able to uh, step up to the challenge there and still get the ball distributed around to guys. Uh, Pickens came to life in that game too, so it doesn't take much for Pickens. You give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. He's one of those guys. He led the league in yards per catch. He is a knucklehead and a frustrating player, but God, is he talented. And I would say the same thing about Johnson, who's less talented but can be an equal part headache But when he wants to be, he's a very good route runner. And when his hands don't betray him like they did in Buffalo a few years ago when he got benched, he can be a pretty effective player. So, yeah, he's untapped those guys. Um, The team definitely seems to be rallying around it. He believes in himself. And we'll see how far it takes him. I mean, it's a huge upgrade over what they got from Trubisky uh, and even Pickett this year. He looks like a totally different quarterback. He completes a ton of his passes. He hasn't turned the ball over. He had a horrible throw at the beginning of the Baltimore game on a third down that should have been an interception, and he did not have another turnover-worthy play the rest of the game in horrible weather. So I've just been shocked by how well he's played since taking over for Trubisky.
0: My, uh, my casual observer from sitting here and watching Steelers games, whether they're playing before the Bills or after the Bills or whatever it is, I just sit, and I know it's more complicated than this, but I just sit there and they say, why don't you throw it to Pickens like, double the amount that you do because he is so talented is it because they just did not have a quarterback that could get it to him and now they seem to have somebody who can or is it that he's just streaky he's hot and cold I think that's part of it
1: um I do think that there's some you know yeah I mean just to to answer your first to, to answer your opinion first like it's a it was a major uh outcry from fans. And one of the big chief reasons why they wanted the clueless offensive coordinator uh, sacked was because he could not consistently find ways to get George Pickens the ball. So yeah, that that's, that is a failure of the offense where a guy like that only catches the ball 40-something times in a season uh, or 60-something times in a season, just a total debacle by them, 60-something times, uh, just inexcusable. Uh, but there is more to it. I mean, the dude definitely Uh, takes plays off and has a lot of that like bad Randy Moss in him where he's very uh, temperamental. He's I think very mercurial and those types of things happen play to play quarter to quarter game to game with him. And I think that those same things played him at Georgia. I think more than the knee injury, I think that's why he, he sunk to the second round. Because I think that the guy came with not off the field baggage but just some maturity baggage and professional baggage that guys just didn't teams just didn't want to have to deal with. Um, I do think that from a route running standpoint, there's still a lot of growth there. I mean if St- if Stefan Diggs is a 10 out of 10 in that regard, I think Pickens is like maybe a three or four. So I think there's a lot of growth there for him. Um, I do think the quarterbacks have a lot to do with it. He could never get on the same page with Pickett. uh, And I also think the quarterbacks were under pretty strict, maybe not orders, but a trickle-down effect from the way the coach viewed the team and the offense. I think he wanted to win a lot of games with defense, and there was a tendency to play not to lose and ask the quarterback to just not turn the ball over and win games ugly. And I think when you do that, you know, It takes away maybe the risk-reward of throwing the ball up to him and asking him to make a play. They tried that in Indianapolis, and there was an interception by Trubisky, and it was one of the bigger uh, turning point plays of the game. So, yeah, I mean, Pickens, I thought going into the year, he was going to be one of the 10 best receivers in the NFL, and he's let me
2: down big time in that regard. All right, last one from me, and we appreciate your time, man. Um, sure, Sal. So. I, I want, want to ask it. you about Mike Tomlin's future. And there's been a lot here. I'm, I'm a Mike Tomlin fan, but I understand the sentiment. We, we have the same thing in here. You have this guy that's really successful. He doesn't have a Lombardi, Sean McDermott. But you have this guy that's really successful, but at some point fans ask, has, have they hit their ceiling under him, right? And I think that's what's going on there in Pittsburgh and probably some other things, too, about what fans feel. Um, but he's wildly successful, and there's a lot of rumblings about maybe him not being in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, however that navigates itself, whether it's him or the team or trade or whatever. What do you think?
1: think a lot about it, Sal. It's probably something that, I I mean, if I added up the sheer number of hours I've talked about this topic in my life, it has to accrue to like more than two or three years now if you add up the time we've spent doing this because it it really is, for me, uh, a lightning rod topic. And I think my opinion of Tomlin has more and more become one of the – has become a majority opinion. I, I think, you know, for a while, Tomlin nationally has gotten credit for, wow, well, look at the team on paper. And to just get this team to ten and seven like this year or last year, man, to get them to nine wins or you know, the year that uh Hodges and Rudolph were, were in at quarterback to get them to eight and eight. Like he gets credit for for getting them to be an average or slightly above average team because I think nationally, people look at the team on paper and think, well, there's deficiencies, there's weaknesses, there're holes. That ignores the fact that the guy has a gigantic say in their roster construction right. and their overall team philosophy and everything else. So this is not a situation where Kevin Colbert would draft the players and Mike Tomlin would have to make chicken salad out of chicken bleep. It was not that. He goes, you see him on the senior uh, bowl Uh, thing. You see him going to pro days. You see him personally interviewing players. He doesn't have the Bill Belichick Zara football title, but he is as involved in their roster building, drafting and signing and trading the players of any coach in the NFL. So if they have a bad team or a mediocre team, that is on him. And in a lot of ways, like the way Belichick, the GM has betrayed Belichick, the coach, I think some of that has gone on with Mike. Now, the other problem Mike Cassell is that he has surrounded himself with really obscure, anonymous assistant coaches. His last two offensive coordinators are Matt Canada, who wouldn't get a college job uh, with uh, at the top 25 college teams in America, looked at him. He was just a free agent and the college coaching carousel, and no one hired him. After he was fired by the Steelers and that's where he cut his teeth. He's a college coordinator who was given an opportunity in the pros and swung and missed badly and struck out the guy before that, Randy Feekner, who Tomlin had worked for in college and Roethlisberger had forged a friendship with that dude is in his fifties and he's been out of football for three years and no one's hired him. Not even as like a quarterback's coach. So he's in control of his own staff. That doesn't come from the general manager of the owner. And I think that's let him down a lot too. So these are the types of things I think where if you're not in the bubble, if you're not around the Steelers every day and you're just talking from ESPN or Fox in LA or something, or even like you guys looking in when the Steelers play the bills might not know that. And I think that that's partial. That's a big reason why I've got questions about Mike Tomlin. It's going to be seven years without a playoff win. If they lose on Sunday, that's the second longest drought in franchise history. We have no idea. If Kenny Pickett's a good quarterback, that's a guy that he wanted in the draft. Uh, He wanted them to bring in Mitch Trubisky as a potential starting quarterback. He was okay with Roethlisberger playing an extra year. There's a lot of things, Sal. Um, He coached his butt off the last three games, but you could also argue he went to Rudolph too late. And after the Arizona game, he started Trubisky against New England. And when that didn't work, he started him again against Indianapolis. So it's kind of like Josh Allen or the Bills in one sense. You, have, you give them credit for digging themselves out of a six and six hole, but you also have to acknowledge the fact that they started six and six. And why right. did that happen? So mm-hmm. I think it gets complicated here. It's more black and white with me. I think if he were to leave after this season, there'd be a good time for the Steelers to go out and get one of these great offensive minds, Sal and see if they can tap that deep reservoir of offensive coaches right now who can find a quarterback to get this, Franchise back and where where you guys are, where you feel like with Josh Allen, you're going to have a chance to compete for championships for the next ten years.
0: Well, that's certainly foreign to us. At least for the last uh, five years, things have been different. You've already said you don't think there's a chance that they. You said it's close to zero that the Steelers can come to Buffalo and win the game. So I won't ask you, can they win? I'll ask you, can they cover? Do you think it'll be close, or do you think it's going to no, be a blowout?
1: I don't. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I really do. Uh, I don't even buy, and people were trying to talk me into it today, including my co-host a little. Actually, he didn't. He talked me out of it, as a matter of fact. I'm not even sure the win thing is going to be a big help for them. If anything, it's just going to turn the Bills more into a running offense and with Cook and with the way Allen runs the ball. I'm not particularly interested or excited about that prospect. Uh, As much as I'm uh, pleasantly surprised and happy for Rudolph, I do think the bubble can burst. I mean, if you look at the quarterbacks that have gone into Buffalo this year, Russell Wilson played the best game and you needed a 12 man on the field penalty at the end for Denver to even win that game. So it's going to take a special teams play. It's going to take multiple turnovers. It's going to take them hitting a the long play or something with pickings. I mean, five or six or seven or eight things would have to break right for them to win the game. Maybe half of that would have to break right for them to um, cover, but Look at the Bills, average margin of victory at home this year. It's up in the double digits. They're a 10-point favorite for a reason. I'm happy for you guys. When the Steelers get knocked out, I'll be rooting for Buffalo. I want them to finally get a a Super Bowl. I think it would be great for the city, their fans, my uncle, all my friends that I have back there in Buffalo and Western New York. Yeah, I mean, I would be living vicariously through you, will be, and rooting for you hard once the Steelers get knocked out, and that'll happen. It won't even be 4 o'clock on Sunday. We'll know by about (laughs) 2.30 on Sunday that the Bills are
2: moving on to the next round. Andrew actually did get a chance to live in Buffalo. He was on WGR for a little while. He was, uh, you were here, what, 09, 10, around that area, right? I was there for the Dick Duran era. Dick did not
1: like me all right. at all. <laughs> <laughs> he hated my guts, as a matter of fact. Wow. Um. Yep. Their PR director, I think, complained to my boss about me. I don't even really know what I did wrong, Sal. I was just me. <laughs> it's not even like I was going on the air killing the guy and pounding the guy. He just
2: had a problem with me, I guess. I don't know, but. Wow, well, listen, yeah, was there's, fun there's, time. there's been plenty of stories about that from back around that time period and before here in Buffalo. I didn't I get Hikin. the
1: I didn't get the Christmas football. I mean, they used to give out like a chocolate football. <laughs> did you know about yeah. the story sale? You wear this? No, no. I, I did. Tell us, please. Okay, so they used to give out and other like media members from that, like Paul Paul Hamilton, I think could, uh, yes, could could uh, or yes. Mike Chope or Chris Parker any of those guys yes. would back me up on this. They would give out like a. Happy holidays, big chocolate football to the media members that they liked. And then if you didn't get one, you would know that you were oh in their crosshairs or on their naughty list. Come and on. I'm serious, man.
0: I'm dead serious well, about now, that. He's he's 100% right. Even I know about this. Oh, i, I, I definitely heard the story about the chocolate footballs right. before.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Now, I was in my early 20s at the time and there was a lot going on. Bars are open until 4 a.m. So, you know, yep. maybe, um, a little bit hazy on the exact facts of this, but yeah, I remember it being a big deal that I didn't get a chocolate football in uh, December of 2008. Apparently, the Bills <laughs> starting four and and0 that year and finishing seven and nine, and the critical coverage they received, uh, they thought was out of bounds. But whatever, <laughs> good times. Wow. Edwards, Stevie Johnson, uh,
2: things of that nature. Well, now you're covering uh, all things Pittsburgh sports, 93.7 The Fan, first in pod with Danny Parkins. Um, you know, we, you and I have talked many times. First time we get to see each other on video, so it's good to see you, buddy. And You I too, week. Sal. You're doing a great job, man. Keep it up. You two guys rock. Thank you. All right. Thank no, you. Thank that you. is uh, Andrew Filippone, and we are always game day in Buffalo. Matt Bobe, WKBW-TV Channel 7, Sal Capaccio, WJR Sports Radio 550. Enjoy the game. We'll be on. After that, of course, to tell you all about it. And thanks to our producer, Mike Robbie here. And it's always getting to Buffalo. Matt, have a great rest of your week. Stay warm, buddy. Thanks, buddy.